Let's turn to Genesis 3. So the theme is peace. And really, you you have a, a Hebrew word in the Old Testament. You have a Greek word in the New Testament that are that we translate into English as peace and what they they both mean the same thing which I mean peace is a part of it but we kind of have our own assumptions about peace when we hear that that term um, it's really it's about being complete and it's about it's about being whole and it's about your your well-being and everything is just as it should be Maybe, maybe not as you want it to be or as you think it should be, but everything is as God designed it to be. That is, that is this idea of peace. And probably the most familiar word would be shalom, would be the, would be the, the Hebrew word. And so whenever shalom is mentioned, that is what would, would come to mind. Wholeness, being complete, um, a, com- a state of being where every, everything is just as it should be. Um, if you guys ever watch any of the Bible Project uh, videos, they they kind of yeah, all right. Um, Hank does, and so they they pull some uh, pull a couple of things from the from the Old Testament. Um, so shalom or peace would be if there was a stone that had a perfect whole shape to it with no fractures or cracks in it. That stone would be considered to be in a state of shalom, of peace. It's it's whole. It's complete. There's no no fractures, no cracks in it, nothing like that. Um, if you had a if you had a, a stone wall, like if you were a stonemason and you made a wall, and there were all the stones fit together, and every, there were no gaps or leaks in it or anything like that, it was a completely solid, complete wall. Then that wall that that they would think of that as shalom. Um, they point out that that Job considers uh, him, himself to be in a state of shalom because he counts his flock, and all of his animals are are there. Like everything is there, everything is complete, everything is whole. There's shalom uh, in his in his flock. Um, it's this idea that that you have something that's that's kind of complex and has a lot of moving parts, and all of those moving parts are fitting together in a really like perfect kind of way. Um, Tim Keller, uh, who is is one of my favorite pastors to listen to, he he uses this illustration of of, of a fabric. You know, he said that, that God created everything to to work together the way that all the threads of a fabric work together. Um, so you could, he said, if you have a, a whole bunch of loose threads and you pile them up here, just in a big lump, they that doesn't make a fabric. It doesn't. It doesn't keep you warm. It doesn't like. It doesn't make a tapestry that shows you something you can't wear. It's just everything is loose and, and all that. And he said that a fabric is is all those same threads that are woven together intricately. They go over and under and around and through. And there's all these things that I can't really wrap my mind around of how our clothes are even made, you know. But it's a fabric, and all these individual things are all woven, and they're all interdependent, and they all need one another. And so he he goes to some places in the scriptures where where that like analogy is made. And so and so if if shalom is like a fabric, it's when all, everything that's interwoven in our lives, all of our relationships, and um, just every, everything about us, everything is woven together just like it should be. And it's a fabric that has no tears in it. There's no rip. There's no. It's not unraveling somewhere. It's just this completely as it should be fabric. So that's to him. That's his like understanding of shalom, and I can kind of understand understand that. And 
he goes on to, to say that whenever, whenever the fabric becomes unraveled, then shalom starts to break down. And so one example would be if in, in, in the human body, when everything in the human body is working the way that it's supposed to, then the body is in a state of peace, is a state of shalom. It's, it is a, a fabric where everything that's supposed to happen is all connected in just the way it's supposed to be and everything's working. And then when, but when you get sick, the shalom breaks down. There's a, there's a tear in the fabric somewhere. Something is not working the way that it's supposed to. Some things that are supposed to be interconnected and, and cooperating are no longer cooperating. And so that tear in the fabric is where the shalom breaks down and there becomes a lack of peace in the body when we are sick. We see a lack of peace in society where, where those things start to break down. We see a lack of peace in our relationships when those things start to, to break down. And so um, we, we kind of have to think of peace kind of in those, in those same kind of, of terms where uh, kind of two different senses. In one sense, shalom or peace is about something that is whole and complete, no fractures, no cracks in it. Every, it's exactly as, as it's supposed to be. But we can also think of shalom as something that has been fractured. It has been torn. There's a, there's, a, there's a breakdown somewhere in the fabric. The fabric has been ripped. That needs someone to come in and mend, like mend that back together. To repair that fabric. Someone to come in and to take the, take those, the, the stone that maybe now has a fracture in it. And to fill in, the, to fill in that gap to make it whole again. So something is either whole or it's in need of repair. And all throughout the Bible, we see kind of both of those things happening with, with the, the idea of peace. And so especially in, in light of why did Jesus come, it's probably more thinking of that second example. Jesus coming to repair the tears in the fabric of our, of our hearts and our minds and our relationships and our society and uh, in order to understand the peace that he brings, we need to understand some of that breakdown, some of those rips in the fabric that needed to be repaired. Um, and no better place to start than in Genesis chapter 3. But, but before we get there, though, the Messiah was, like a, in terms of, of tracing the, through the story of the Bible, him being a repairer of the torn down fabric was a theme that we see throughout the, the, the birth narrative and all the messianic prophecies. A part of what they were looking forward to is this restorer to come and to find the things that are broken and to repair them, to mend the tears in the fabric that are, that are there. We see it in Micah chapter 5. It says, in verses, verses, these are verse 4 and 5. He says, He shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord. In the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall dwell secure. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. He he shall be their peace. Um, he shall be their completeness, their wholeness. Um, he's going to stand in the, the presence of the sheep. And the sheep will be secure because of who their shepherd is. This is essentially Psalm 23, just stated in a different way. And so the Messiah being associated with repairing the tears in the fabric, that was a part of the narrative. We see it also in Isaiah chapter 9, which you're probably familiar with. Um, 6 and 7 says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. 
And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And what, is it, what do princes do? They rule. They have authority. They are uh, they're a part of like where the, where the buck stops. And so peace will be like, he will be the overseer and the one in authority over the repairing of the fabric. Uh, the next verse says, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. There'll be no, no end to his, to the repairs that he does. That when he comes in to mend the fabric, the fabric stays mended. Um, that's a part of what they were anticipating, part of what they were, were waiting for, part of why that was, that was such a big deal. Then in Luke chapter 2, in the birth narrative, uh, when, the, in to, when the angels appeared before the shepherds, verse 13 says, Suddenly there was, an, was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Peace among, among those with whom he is pleased. Wholeness, um, being restored to completeness among those whom he's well pleased, which would be sons and daughters. So, peace is a really huge deal. But in order to understand the depths of it, we really need to understand the depths of just how torn the fabric was. And just how, how severe the fractures are. You know, and we see that in Genesis chapter three. Um, so let's look at it. We're just going just to look at a couple of verses, actually. Um, so this is right after um, in Genesis one and two. You could, you, when you read those, those are that's the first idea of shalom. Everything is whole. Everything is complete. It's just as it should be. I mean, Eden was perfect. In Genesis 3, in the beginning of, of 3, there's a, there's a rebellion against God where Adam and Eve become convinced that they can do it better than him, that he's holding out on them, and that uh, if they eat of this one particular tree, they will actually become just like him. And so that pride and that, uh, that aspiring to be like, uh, like God and to think that, that to, to feel like he's withholding of something from you, he's trying to trick you, all that kind of stuff. They begin to buy into it. They eat of the tree. And suddenly things are very different. They go from a state of shalom and the fabric is perfect. And all of a sudden there's a big gash in it. And we see that in a couple of places. Starting at, look at verse 8. They heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Now, if everything is, if shalom is the state of your world, then why would you hide from God now? You know, something had fractured within them. The, the fabric and the shalom of their, of their being had not, now had a rip in it. And suddenly they saw God differently than before. His character was distorted to them. He, he was good and now he's withholding or maybe threatening or maybe even vengeful. God has now become to them someone to fear and something inside of them had changed. This is, this is how Paul describes it in Ephesians 2 verse 12. He says, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. There was, there was this relational separation between God and Adam and Eve. 
and you can think of it as between God and humanity. There was a there was a divide between them. There was a tear in that relationship. And then that got passed on to every person that's ever born, which is which is why we have so many misunderstandings about God all around our world today. Um, people thinking that he's angry all the time or that he's a pushover or that he's moody or that he's forgotten about you. Or uh, We project our earthly dads onto him, our earthly moms onto him. We, we think sometimes he's cold and heartless or unreliable or maybe not even real in the first place. Um, and that distorted character of him going from being a friend to being an enemy um, gave birth to all kinds of conflict and war and injustice and basically everything bad on the earth uh, that we experience and so this this was just this wasn't just like an, a little tear that was inconvenient you can kind of live with it you know you we probably all have that like garment that has a hole in it but you're like oh, i kind of like it it's, it'll be okay no one will notice it you know um you know you do um this was not this like this minor thing that we could kind of look over. This was separation from God himself. That was, was more than just a, a little rip in the fabric. It was, it was a gash. It, 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 it tore things apart. It was more than, than just a little, a little fracture that you could kind of look the other way on. It ultimately led to their removal from the garden. And so in their rebellion, they tore the fabric and, they, and the shalom broke down and there was a lack of peace. Now, when the prophets begin to speak, remember Micah 5, he will be your peace. Isaiah 9, uh, he will be the prince of peace and the increase of his peace will never end. Luke 2 uh, um, glory to God in the highest. I better read it. I'll mess it up. And on earth, peace among those whom he is well pleased. This idea of restoration, this idea of, of a, someone coming to repair what had been torn, um, like the deep parts separating God and man, that that was a part of him coming. And so then we see Shalom being restored um, in Ephesians 2. I, I feel like I read this passage every week, and it's just so, it's just so good. Um, Look at, let me read to you verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off, okay, separated, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace. Does that sound familiar? Micah 5, he says, he shall be their peace. And Paul is saying he himself is our peace. Those things are fitting together. Uh, that's not just, you know, here are these guys writing these things and, and sometimes we feel like they're so, un, like, well, what does one have to do with the other? It's a story that's, com- it's completing the other part of it. One was a promise, the other one has been fulfilled. He, um, he for he himself is our peace, who has made us both one, he's talking about Jews and Gentiles, and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. One new man in place of the two, so making peace. He's, he's bringing back together what has been separated. Um, and might reconcile, verse 16, might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace. He preached wholeness that's available to you who are far off, and peace and wholeness to those who are near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. 
So then you're no longer strangers and aliens, but now you're fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure, does this sound familiar? The whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you're being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. He's, he's comprising this perfectly built, peaceful shalom in you and in me, making us into a building that has no cracks and no leaks and there's no tears in the fabric. That's what Jesus has come to do. And so he will be their peace. He is our peace. Um, the, the thing we have to really like wrap our minds around is that um, he, he's repairing the, the fabric with himself. He's filling in the in in those cracks with like with himself, um, and I started to th- think about this yesterday. And I was trying to like wrap my mind around it a little bit. Um, you know, we we had this we had this bridge out here that was out for a couple of months, and it was like horrible to try to get here. And so now we love that bridge. It's our favorite bridge in the world. And um, but you know, there was a you guys remember Point of Grace? Remember Point of Grace? They had a song that was called The Great Divide. Remember The Great Divide? I won't sing it for you. Uh, great song. Nothing wrong with this song at, at all. But um, this idea that the God and man were separate and Jesus w- like was the bridge between them. It's great. But if we're thinking in terms of shalom, you know, that's kind of where my mind went of like, oh, he's the bridge. Shalom is the bridge. But shalom is not the bridge. Shalom would be if, if let's say that this bayou out here, which I think is called Lively Bayou, let's say that upstream somewhere it got rerouted and there's no longer any water flowing through there. Shalom would be this. You tear out the bridge, you bring in rocks and dirt, and you, you start at the bottom and you build it in and you pack it in and you bring, you, you bring, the, you bring everything up to where it's all level. To where there's no, there's, there's like now dirt, it's full of dirt where there's now just this big space. And you pack it in, pack it in, and everything's level, and then you put a road on top of that. And you get to where there's really no difference between one side and the other. That's what, that's what shalom is. That, that he himself will, is our peace. Like he, he is the one in, the, in between us to the point where there's no distinguishing one side from the other anymore. We don't even know there was a divide there anymore. That there's a, a oneness with God between us and him that is not just something that's bridged over and he's like, well, I'll look the other way because you can come on across the bridge. He's like, no, I'm going to make a land bridge. I'm going to be the land though between you. In my, when I was in ninth grade, my parents decided that we were going to get a swimming pool and uh, I remember coming home, uh, I remember coming home from driver's ed and there's a swimming pool on a crane like above our house. It's just like a big bathtub, you know, it's a big crane above our house. It was the craziest thing I've ever seen. And they uh, put the pool in and, you know, we enjoyed the pool and then all the kids move out. Dad's tired of cleaning the pool. So the pool's got to go. What do you do with the pool? You know, I, I don't know. So one day he calls and he's like, well, pool's gone. It's okay. There's a story there. Um, they pumped all the water out of the pool. They uh, busted. They drilled holes in the bottom of it so it would drain. Busted up the deck, threw it in, trucked in all this dirt, all this dirt, all this dirt, all this dirt, and smoothed it out. And now there's like a buried pool in our backyard. But if you walk into our backyard, you don't you don't know that it just looks like a yard. 
There used to be like a big thing missing in the middle, and now it is filled up, and there's no distinguishing one side of the pool from the other side of the pool. So while we used to like try to run from one side of the yard and try to leap to, across the other side of the pool, uh, now like there's no there's no separating it. It's just one thing. That's shalom. When he says that he himself will be our peace, he is he is the one making the repairs with his own life. That's why the cross like connects into Christmas so much. And the peace that he made was through his own sacrifice of himself. And so he didn't come and just basically like try to like convince God to like let us into heaven. He says, no, I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to come and I'm going to, I'm going to be the very thing that fills in all of the gaps so that you are whole and complete because I'm in you. He says, my, my peace I give to you. He says that in John 14. And he's being very literal when he says that. And so he's not just mending what was broken and kind of hoping it holds up. He is, he is the fabric that is being repaired. He is in that. So he himself will be our peace. And that's just one, that's just one thing. If you look at, the, uh, look at the next thing in Genesis 3, look at 9 and 10. So they're, in verse 8, they had been hiding from him because they, they no longer trusted him because something had, there had been that, that shalom had broken down inside of them. Then we see it fleshing out a little bit differently in 9 and 10. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. So here we see shame enter into our world. So if you're wondering where that came from for us, this is where it begins. Um, for the very first time, it, it's, he he's, feels like he has something to be ashamed of, and that is a reflection of how he views himself. Adam and Eve viewed themselves differently than they did before. Not only are they hiding from God, but they're trying to hide from themselves as well. This is a tearing of the shalom in, like in, internally in our own identity, our own self-awareness. Um, so whether it's shame or insecurity or a lack of contentment or, or pride or fear or anger or self-reliance or inadequacy or searching for idols and fulfillment or just never feeling valued or wanted or loved, it all starts like with sin and our own brokenness at all. It begins with the unraveling of shalom in relationship to God, but then the repercussions of that is that we also view ourselves differently. And so when we read Micah 5 about him being our peace, and when we read it in Isaiah 9 about him being the prince of peace and the increase of his peace never ending, and when the shepherds are being told that peace has come to those who are, are favored by God, all of those things are not only speaking to a mending of our relationship to God, it's also speaking to a mending of, of how that destruction came to us. God cares about our like self-perception. He's looking at us as, like, these are my sons and daughters made in my image, and yet they're hiding? They're ashamed of themselves? Micah 5 says that the, the flock will be secure. That when peace is restored, the people of God stand up straight. 
and we look at our lives and we're like, yeah, I got some stuff to, to work on, but um, I'm an image bearer of the God of the universe, you know? We, we become secure. We, we stop being so self-reliant. We, we stop searching for idols in the wrong place because he himself is our peace. We, we come to the point where we realize that he is the one by his own life inside of us that, is, that has repaired that shalom. That has filled in the gaps with his own life. 2 Corinthians 5, Paul explains it this way. Verse 17, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. And we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. That when, when the shalom has been repaired between us and God, and he looks at you and says, okay, now, um, now, now that we're good, uh, I'm going to send you out. Because I trust you. Because I, I believe in you. Uh, because you're my son. You're, you're my daughter. Um, he himself has been your restorer, your repairer. He himself has come in and filled in what was broken to the point where there's no distinguishing that there was any problem anymore. And now you are ready to walk in what he has for you. And so peace not only is about restoring us to the Lord, but it's restoring us to ourselves where we, we understand our identity. That our identity is not found in what we look like or what we do for a living or how much money we make or our, our greatest victory or our, our absolutely like worst day ever or all these, all these things that our world tries to tell us. We recognize that He is my peace. He is, he is the reason that I am whole. Not because of anything I have or anything I've done or anything I can do or there's, there's nothing I can bring to the table that's going to make me whole. Only he could do that. And he has. He shall be your peace. He himself is our peace. And so we can stand here today not only restored to God, but also re- like re- restored to ourselves. And sometimes that's a lear- there's like a learning curve with like letting that sink in and really understand it. There's, there's one more. Let me give us one more real quick. Look at verse 11. God said to them, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? And the man said, The woman who you gave to, uh, to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree, and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is that that you've done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So Adam blames Eve. Eve blames the snake. Um, this like shifting of, of blame. Uh, God goes on to tell them, guess what? There's, there's going to be this relational tension between you. That the, the rebellion against God not only tore us in, in our relationship to God and, and to ourselves, but also with one another. That we are naturally pitted against each other. 
to the point where Adam throws his wife under the bus so quickly. And who, wh- where would that come from? That doesn't come from Genesis 1 and 2 when everything was, was perfect and whole. It comes from the, from the fracturing and the brokenness. And so we see those relational problems. We see uh, like the withholding of forgiveness. We see where um, neglect comes from. We, we see where, where all these interpersonal problems that we have, where, where gossip comes from and uh, refusing to handle, handle conflict biblically and like all the things that are horizontal between us is because everyone's walking around with, with the fabric torn. And what that does is that puts us against one another instead of for one another. And so when Micah begins to speak of a shepherd standing among the flock and they're secure because he's going to be their peace. And when Isaiah talks about the prince of peace and the increase of his peace not ending and the shepherds hear about peace coming to us, uh, all of that is also speaking to our relationships with each other. That, that Jesus coming and bringing peace to the earth is also about restoring and repairing uh, like us together. We see it a few times in the Bible. Um, look, let me read you one in Colossians 3. It says, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace, let the wholeness of Christ rule in your hearts, to which you indeed were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. He, he has repaired us, restored us to God, restored us to ourselves, and is restoring us to one another. To where the people of God should be living in that kind of unity with one another all the time. It should just be an overflow of this like repair and this shalom that happens. And this is one of the harder ones because we're, we're still learning how to do this. We're still learning that this is our reality. And sometimes that shalom gets torn between us. As brothers and sisters, sometimes it's between, between the saved and those who are not saved. Uh, there's all kinds of ways that still happens, which is probably part of why there's such a charge to being peacemakers. I mean, Matthew 5, 9, Jesus says it blatantly, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. What is, it, what, what is that meaning? Blessed are those who are going and are repairing the tears in the fabric, because that's what the sons of God do. That's what it means to be an image bearer of God. You're looking for places where the shalom is unraveling, and you're like, I'm going there to help, what, to help that not happen anymore. 
This morning, breakfast in the park, they, they served breakfast and were giving out winter items and all these kinds of things because there's a community in our city where the shalom has broken down and uh, there is a need for repair. And so this group this morning went and tried to do the best they can to bring the peace of Christ into that situation and offer something that he will use to repair that breakdown. It's the same thing. That's why everything that we've done during Advent is trying to put our hands to places where the shalom, the fabric has come unraveled. And Jesus says, we got to do something about that. Blessed are the peacemakers because that's what the sons of God do. And the daughters. See, Jesus coming and being our peace. He shall be their peace. He himself is our peace. All of these things are are pointed to something that's so much bigger than ourselves. We couldn't repair the, the fracture in our relationship with God or toward ourselves or toward one another. We, we, we can't do it. But he himself being our peace, he can get those things done and is getting those things done. And here between the first arrival and the second arrival, here we are trying to figure out what to do. A part of that is being peacemakers in our world. And we're remembering that our future is... Part of it here is described in Micah chapter 4. It says, He shall judge between many people and shall decide disputes for strong nations far away. And look at this. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. They're going to get around there and be like, what do we do with all these spears and swords and guns and all this stuff? We don't know what to do with them. Well, let's melt them down. Let's make them into garden tools because that's what we really need to do is get to planting because we've got to eat. Because we won't need them anymore. Because we have a future that's filled with that first idea of peace, the wholeness and completeness of God. And so during this season, we talk about it and we sing about it and we think about these things. Um, because we are in between those advents. We can't forget about the first one, but we really can't forget about the second one. And so he has come to be your peace. He has come to restore you to God and you to yourself and you to your neighbor. And only he could do that. Only he could have enough dirt to fill up that gap to where there's no distinguishing between one side and the other. Only he could come in and look at that tear in the fabric and say, I know exactly what to do. I'll become the threads. I'll mend everything together. and It'll be stronger than before. So um, we're, we're going to sing a little bit this morning. We're going to sing some Christmas songs. So if you've been thinking, man, I, I got I to get some Christmas songs out. But these are strategically chosen. The lyrics are describing this, like this whole idea of, of God coming to, to the tears in the fabric to fix them. So as we sing them, don't just get caught up in like, oh, I like this song, or it's one of my favorites, or I never heard, uh, what a great drummer, you know, or whatever, whatever you might get caught up in. Uh, look at the lyrics as you sing. It's basically, we're just going to sing the sermon, which we could have cut to it, I know, but you know, humor me a little bit. We're going to sing the sermon as we close out this Sunday of, of, of Advent. Now, we're also going to offer our normal responses. And so we'll have two communion stations, and you are welcome in our communion line. You don't have to be a member of our church. Um, you can step there, you take the bread, you dip it in the juice, and you, and you ingest that. And if that is a part of, of like 
of goodness for you and reminding this is what made you whole. The body of Christ broken for you and the blood of Christ poured out for you. That's why you can stand in the shalom of God and sing and pray. And so if you want to pray, the steps are open. We'll have some folks on the front row that will pray with you. And of course, we'll do some singing. So let's, let's stand together as we spend a few moments in response. Father, we gather this morning um, very just thankful for seeing us through the Advent season. And we know it's not over yet because Christmas Eve will be a very special night as we celebrate the light of the world coming in. The people walking, walking in darkness uh, no longer had to fumble around and figure their way through it. But those walking around with fractured souls broken hearts and torn fabric didn't have to continue in that. And that we are here on this side of, of the cross able to sing of our Redeemer who has laid down his life and, and who has proven himself to be our peace. There's nothing else that makes us complete and whole. There's nothing else that brings well-being to us. There's nothing, uh, nothing else will make things exactly as they should be but you. And so as we sing, as we pray, as we uh, receive communion, as we just spend this time celebrating and acknowledging what you've done, I, I pray that, uh, that you just help drive down this, this idea of peace into our hearts. So we would recognize just the significance of, of how, how fractured we were and yet how powerful you are as our Prince of Peace and that the increase of your peace has no end to it. We love you and pray this in your name. Amen. Our uh, communion stations are open. You can come whenever, whenever you like as we sing together.